Are you looking for Jesus this Sunday after Christmas? Try his father's house. From Luke chapter 2, a couple of verses that I just read. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. By the way, he was 12 years old. Please be seated, sisters and brothers in Christ. Well, I don't want Christmas to just get away from us, so have you ever thought in depth about that part of the Christmas story about that there was no room in the inn thing, that thing that we heard about again on Christmas Eve? Well, I've told you this story before, but I really like it, so I'm going to tell it to you again. The Sunday school was putting on a Christmas pageant, you know, with Mary and Joseph, and how they came to the inn in Bethlehem because of the taxing of Caesar. And one boy in the Sunday school really wanted to play the part of Joseph. But when the parts were handed out, the part of Joseph, Joseph was given to a boy that he really didn't like. And he was assigned to be the innkeeper instead. Oh, he was pretty upset about this. But he didn't say anything. They went through the rehearsals, you know, and he was thinking all the time what he could do the night of the performance to get even with that boy that had been given the role of Joseph. Well, finally, the night of the performance came, and Mary and Joseph came walking across the stage. They knocked on the door, and the innkeeper asked them gruffly, what do you want? And Joseph answered, we'd like to have a room for the night. Well, suddenly the innkeeper, with a smile on his face, threw the door open and said, great, come on in, I'll give you the best room I've got. A few seconds later, poor little Joseph didn't know how to respond. So thinking very quickly on his feet, he looked inside the door past the innkeeper, and he said, no wife of mine is going to stay in a dump like this. Come on, Mary, let's go out in the barn. <laughs> and once again, the play was on a steady course. No room in the inn. I mean, there's always room for one more, right? You put a $100 bill uh, with the uh, attendant, they find a room, right? If Herod showed up in Bethlehem that night, don't you think they'd have found him a room? If the innkeeper knew that the Messiah was going to be born in his establishment and all untold free advertisement would come his way, don't you know Mary and Joseph would have gotten a room? Yeah. Well, on this second Sunday after Christmas, we just hate to leave Bethlehem. So I maybe ask you this question. If you were the innkeeper... Would you have found a room? Of course you would have. And yet how often do we crowd the Christ child out of our homes and out of our lives with all the rest of that stuff that fills up our busy calendars? And of this great Christmas gospel that we have again been immersed in, hallelujah, are we going to allow the great message of love to just be packed away along with all the Christmas decorations as we take them all back up to the attic? Or here's another problem. Do we just try to keep Jesus manger-bound, you know? Little and innocent and unassuming. That's kind of a safe Jesus, isn't it? A savior in a manger with shepherds kneeling and wise men coming to offer their gifts. But Luke doesn't allow us that kind of relaxation. In the second chapter of his gospel, the very same chapter that he tells about the birth of Jesus... 
Luke jumps right into a couple of verses about the eighth day of Jesus' life when old Simeon in the temple holds the baby Jesus and they name him and they circumcise him, uh, the text which I preached on right from this pulpit Friday night. And then boom, Jesus is 12 years old and he already is ready to teach us some important lessons this January 2nd, 2001. So come with me now into this amazing biblical, biblical account, and let's ask the question, why does Luke tell this account of the 12-year-old Jesus in the temple? Along the way, over history, there have been those who have tried to fill in the gap between when the Lord was born and when he was 12 years old. They're called the uh, wild, crazy gospel of Thomas, the infancy gospels of Jesus, and uh, they're a bunch of heresy, but they tell the story of how Jesus as a 12-year-old molded some birds out of clay and then he said a word or two and they flew off. Miracle, huh? Another account has, uh, has a child, a playmate of his, bullying him and treating him badly and he reaches out his arms and the bully dies. Huh? Another story has him bringing back to life a playmate who died from a sickness. And, and another one have him, has him harvesting a hundred bushels of corn from one corn seed that he planted. Huh? Or his father Joseph, he made a mistake in his carpenter shop and he made a bed that was too short and Jesus just stretched it out to the proper length. Huh? All of these stories show us instead an arrogant little wonder boy who first of all has a very high opinion of himself and secondly uses those miraculous powers to all those who oppose him. Well, the old insults are an insult to the person of Jesus Christ and the purpose for which he came into the world. Let's look instead at the real event. First, you might wonder, how in the world did Luke even learn about this story of the 12-year-old Jesus? He wasn't there. If we look carefully at the text, I think we would come to the conclusion that he got the story straight from Mary herself. No doubt that's where he got the whole Christmas story too. Remember how it ended? And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. How would Luke know that? Unless Mary told her that. And at the end of our account of the 12-year-old in the temple, did you notice a very similar version? His mother treasured all these things in her heart. So Mary, no doubt, told Luke firsthand how faithful Jews went to Jerusalem three times a year for the Passover, for the Feast of Weeks, and for the Feast of Tabernacles, a trip about like us going from here to Toledo. Joseph and Mary and many others from Nazareth, from Galilee, would make this trip, a regular trip, for all 12 years that Jesus had been born they had been going three times a year, nothing new. And it wasn't just the three of them either that went. The whole neighborhood of family and friends would travel together. Now, don't get the idea either that Mary and Joseph were lousy parents who didn't even keep track of their children. And don't get the idea that Jesus some, was some little brat that didn't obey. His staying with some of the entourage in Jerusalem and his parents making their way back home without missing him for a day, those things are not the point of the story. The point of the story is the 12-year-old Jesus sitting in the temple courtyard 
astounding the people with his understanding, with his opinions, with his wisdom, with his questions and his answers. Now, we have known child prodigies in the history of humanity. In music, for example, Mozart, Schubert, uh, Schubert Mendelssohn, all began to compose music before the age of 12. And Chopin performed a piano concert at the age of 11. And we've heard of others, you know, 12-year-olds who are ready to go off to college and computer whiz kids already at the age of 12 and young gymnasts and figure skaters who win medals at that age. Well, here in Jesus, we have a spiritual prodigy. And should it be surprise to us? <laughs> no. For here was God in the flesh, even as a 12-year-old, the wisdom of God in the person of a young boy who was slowly learning the essence of his mission that, by the way, in the prime of his life would lead the sins of the world to be put on his crucified back. When his parents find him in the temple and express their anxiety, he answers them. Didn't you know that I have to be in my father's house? I must be about my father's business? Translated exactly, Jesus' answer is, I must be in the things of my father. This is, by the way, the first words that come from the mouth of Jesus that are recorded in the Holy Scriptures. The first words Scripture records of Jesus come as a 12-year-old. Jesus takes the name Father from Joseph and gives it to God. Now, that's not a slap in Joseph's face or in any sense disrespectful. The text, after all, says that when they went back to Nazareth, he was submissive. He obeyed his earthly father. But much more obedience to his heavenly father. Mary, no doubt, remembered the angel Gabriel's words 13 years earlier when the angel said, Your child will be great and will be called. Joseph also knew from the angel's words, This child in Mary's womb is of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is correct to refer to his relationship to God as being the Son of the Heavenly Father. And in his answer to his earthly parents, he not only refers to his relationship to God, but he also assumes the necessity of his father's business. I must be about the things of my father. The things of his father were more, more than learning and discussing scriptures in the courtyard of the temple. The things of the father, the business of the father, if you will, embraced all the things that went into the redemption, the salvation of sinful humanity. And of all of this, the 12-year-old is saying, I must be about them. So then that's the biblical account that is before us from Luke chapter 2. Now, what are we going to learn from it? Well, I, if you're going to make resolutions at the beginning of a new year, I think one of the best resolutions all of us could make is to make a decision to position ourselves, our lives, our days very near to the Father's business. And despite the importance of worshiping in God's house and Bible study with fellow Christians and fellowship within a Christian congregation, I'm talking here not about being in a certain place, but being in a certain relationship. 
We are called to recognize whose we are, what relationship we're in. That God has called us by name. He has made us his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of the God of the universe. That word father by itself says that we are part of a family. That's who we are. This is relationship language. And if you have been given the daily gift of forgiveness in the power of your baptism, the promise of forgiveness, life, and salvation that comes in the lowly forms of bread and wine, and the Spirit of God has given us the gift of faith and the power to overcome every single day of our life Satan's temptations, then I'll tell you what, of necessity, we need to be close to our Father's business. And that means we need to hang around the temple, first thing. Only I'm not talking about a place here. I'm talking about a relationship with God's Word. That's what Jesus is talking to the teachers about. He's talking to them about God's Word, and His answers astounded those who listened to Him. Haven't we learned how God's Word should astound us also? And then the 12-year-old was hanging also around the courtyard, the temple courtyard. Not, as a, not as, a, as a place, I don't mean, but as a relationship with God's church. In 2022, spiritual isolationism is just not going to work for any of us. Regardless of what ongoing COVID challenges present to us, we've got to somehow stay linked to one another. If not in person, at least through electronic communication. Good people of St. Paul, you have done an absolutely marvelous job in the last 22 months since the shutdown. Boy, I'll tell you, the Read Scripture Challenge sure helped, didn't it? For us to all stay connected to one another in the Word, huh? And financially, oh my goodness, you have faithfully supported this ministry plan even without us passing offering plates. And you call one another on the phone and you say hi to one another when you see each other in the community. But that connectedness has got to continue and even get stronger. The further our culture moves away from the courtyard where Jesus gathers his people, the more we need to cherish the fellowship of the Christian church. All those who belong to Jesus belong to all those who belong to Jesus. Now, third thing, Jesus did not stay in Jerusalem. He took a trip home. And again, I'm not talking about a place, even though Mary and Joseph took him back to Nazareth. But I'm talking about a relationship to God's mission for each of us. When we when we are immersed in God's Word and when we gather in the courtyard of Christian fellowship, when we go out into the world, in many ways, that's going to be the theme of 2022 here at St. Paul's. That's what Pastor Smith's letter in that January newsletter is all about, at least for the first half of 2022. It's going to be all about engaging in the ministry of Jesus right where the Lord has placed us. Loving and helping and giving and teaching and praying and witnessing to the unchurched. The necessity of Christ being about his Father's business becomes the necessity for you and me. St. Paul says the love of Christ 
leaves us no choice. Sons and daughters of the Father are not moved to take over the Father's business, not just because we are good moral people, but our motivation comes from the same grace of God that made us children of the Heavenly Father in the first place. Someone knocked on Martin Luther's door one day, and upon opening the door, the guest asked if Martin Luther lived there. And Luther replied, Nope, Martin Luther died, lives here now. It was Luther's way of being about the things of the Father every day. It's a good lesson for all of us on January 2nd of this brand new year. Will you bow your heads to pray? Heavenly Father, it has been good these last weeks to have been so close to you through the retelling of the Christmas story. And now, Lord, we have learned the importance of staying close to you, being in the temple of your word and hanging around the courtyard of your church, and of necessity to be about your business, your mission. Let 2022 be of necessity one in which we simply decide to stay connected to you. Got to be there. Don't know what's going to happen in the world, in the church, in our families, in our individual lives. But we do know that as long as we're in relationship to you, your business and our business will be just fine. We love you, Lord. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds with Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.